LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to the One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel center ministry every week. And I was just doing a few stretches there. I've been I've been practicing this or, or sort of testing this out in uh, in workshops, Derek. Just every half an hour, mm-hmm. getting people to sort of stand up, do a few stretches, using it as a technique just to to get uh, energy back in the room. What what are your thoughts? I mean, can we just do a few stretches now? Well, I'm. T- yeah, I'm just a little bit intimidated by the guns that I can see on the screen here. Uh, that's that's what I'm thinking, Scott. Yeah. Well, the one thing's brought to you with thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network, and we're also interested in your health as well. But we are proudly part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network, and we'd encourage you to check out our network page on iTunes and see all the other quality Christian podcasts that are available there. But for now, you've pressed play on episode number 81 of The One Thing, Recruiting Asians. Recruiting agents. Now that's a strange title, isn't it? I know. I said it. I said it with that tone because I was thinking Asians. I mean, that's you know so generic. Uh, there's it loads is. of there's loads of different Asians, subcontinentals, Koreans, <laughs> Vietnamese, Malaysians, Singaporeans, and then people who seem to come from Malaysia, Singapore, you know, Hong, like just from everywhere in that sort of island, you know, conglomeration of um, of Asia. Then we've got Indonesians as well. It's a it's a it's a diverse, complex group, and now in Australia we've got mainland Asians and <laughs> Cantonese Asians. It's just well, and look, to and be ABCs. Honest, don't even get me started about ABCs. Oh. That's what we've got time for today, Scott's <laughs> permutations of the various cultures in Australia. But what no, we, well, what we're talking about today, and we've got a special guest on to talk about this, is how is it how is it we we reach and disciple people who aren't from an Anglo background but who we're meeting, connecting with in Australia. Uh, in terms of the increase of population in Australia, uh, about 150,000, uh, the natural increase of people who are here. But people who are arriving from overseas, the overseas migration is nearly double that at the moment. So we're seeing a lot more people come here. The population is growing more from people coming here uh, than internally. But even the people who are here, it's not monocultural in any way. In fact, the Geneva Push, a number of the church plants that we're supporting for next year, will be cross-cultural plants as well. A growing number is going to be. And so in order to uh, dig into this in uh, not only Scott's amazing brain as we've witnessed so far, but someone who may perhaps have, you know, a bit more skin in the game, we have Adam Chang. Welcome to The One Thing. How are you, mate? I'm well. Thanks for having me. I feel a bit of pressure now. I mean, after Scott mentioned every sort of Asian in the world, I now represent four and a half billion people. Uh, so if I can speak for my people, uh, I'll do some What Asian, them, what Asian are you, Adam? Like, what, what, Asian what particular Asian? Yep. Uh, I'm an ABC, so Australian-born Chinese, which means uh, I was born here in Australia, but my parents are from Malaysia. What does that mean to, to come from Malaysia? What's particularly distinct about Malaysians? Yeah, I think Malaysia is a country where they've got three main cultures. They've got uh, local Malays, they've got Indians, and they've got Chinese people. Mm. Uh, my parents were born there in the 70s. I don't know, in the 50s, sorry, I've just done them some justice. But, uh, you're only 12 and you're speaking to us today. Welcome to the That's thing. right, that's <laughs> right. Uh, they, they were born there in the 50s and moved to Australia in the 70s. Mm. Um, I heard one comedian say that the cultural narrative of Chinese people in Malaysia is to work hard, earn a lot of money, and move to Australia. Uh, and that's, uh, it's still the same cultural narrative, and it's still the same story 40, 50 years later. What was it about this family background then that made it difficult for you to go into full-time ministry? 
Um, I think in many ways it's understandable um, because my parents and like many other parents uh, moved to this country uh, with a dream to build a better life, not for themselves necessarily, but actually for my brother and me and my generation uh, of these first batch of ABCs. And so if you think about what fits with that cultural narrative about that story, uh, going to gospel ministry uh, really embraces shame and poverty and it is not it's not in line with the story it's not how it's meant to be as such and i think what makes it even harder is that second generation asians grow up in australia and it's easy to think oh they've got their parents expectations over them therefore they've got to play ball but actually i think we're more even though we're born here we're more asian than we care to admit mm. which means that we have a western mind whilst we're educated here but we still have an asian heart with all the values so we still deeply care and long for their approval so we've got guys in our church who aren't getting baptized because their parents are from a strongly atheistic or buddhist background but because our guys care so much about their parents approval they're willing to delay getting baptized for maybe up to five years mm. until their parents come on board so can I ask for you, you tell a story. We'll put a link to this in the toolbox in the moment. Uh, but you do talk about your movement from um, considering gospel ministry to actually heading into gospel ministry. You plan a cross and crown this year in, in Melbourne. What was it for you that was different than some of the Anglo guys around you as they headed into ministry? What are the different things you had to grapple with and how did those conversations differ along that path for you? Yeah, I, I think it's almost too easy and lets a lot of Asian Australians off the hook just to say, oh, it's a family thing. I, I actually think it's more than that. But I actually think we inherit from our parents this migrant aspiration. Uh, we share as much as they do this desire for uh, success uh, and wealth and achievement. And I think what's when I look at my friends who I went through college with, they come from a background which is highly individualistic and which values freedom which means that if we're trying to encourage Anglo-Australians to consider ministry, in many ways, there is a sense in which we're working with sort of a blank slate. We're helping them reach uh, a choice that's independent uh, of anyone else and a choice that they'll own. I think what's difficult for me and a lot of other Asians is that we've had a predetermined life and a pathway set out for us. So it's not just a blank slate and saying, choose your own adventure. It's actually saying, okay, you're already on a path from as early as year nine or year 10 at high school. How do we then redirect that path? And how do we redirect the object of your ambition? Mm. And how do we redefine what success really is? And that's what was actually really difficult. I realized it was too easy along the way to say, oh, it's a family thing. But actually, it was as much a me thing as anything else. Um, and I think for so many of us, we inherit that aspiration. And we need to redefine what it means to so how have, you, um, have a successful life. How have you done that then yourself personally? What's been the resources that you've drawn on to redefine success? I'm not sure that I've had any direct resources that I've gone to, but what's really helped me in particular are older godly men who are patient with me. I think there are older godly men and pastors who recognise that that's not a project that happens over two weeks or even two years, hmm. uh, but it's persistence and actually takes time to shape my heart and actually redirect uh, the object of my ambitions. Uh, so being in a good church makes all the difference. But you know what? I think what made a really big difference, um, and shout out to Mikey Tai and Heidi Type in Providence, are seeing people go ahead of you and actually make those sacrifices and 
having models makes all the difference. So is that is that part of seeing you know seeing the pathway and being able to you know look and say hey, it is possible, you, you know, to tread this path and still be part of your family and still be you know successful. Probably looking for a different a different term there, but uh, but still be okay. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we, we often talk about leadership development pipelines, mm. and, and I think we need to have them. Um, but it's really easy uh, to forget that every leadership development pipeline is shaped and cultured by the context within which we operate. And what makes it hard in Australia, I think, is that we're in a multicultural country, mm. which means that our pipelines might have to look a little bit different depending on the cultural context of our people. Alrighty. Okay, that's good. Adam, I want to come back. I want to dig back into uh, what you've talked about, the Hofstede scale in a moment, and the implications for how we have conversations with people from a different background. But uh, we're going to dig into the toolbox in a moment. The one thing is part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network, and this is a good chance to point you to one of our podcast partner podcasts. Hey, Adam, have you heard of the Unseen Leadership Podcast? I have. Yes, there you go. No surprising. Chandler Vanoy, Josh Hunter, unseen stories made leaders who they are today. This is for young leaders. Just like you, Adam. Those who went ahead of them, just like you, and people who have gone ahead of them, just like Mikey and Heidi Ty from Brisbane. Thank you very much. Good good city. come from Brisbane. Great city. Um, Anyway, Unseen Leadership Podcast. Have a listen to your favourite podcasting app. Subscribe today. Now, Scott, what has he got in his box. My top three must-have resources for recruiting Asians. Uh, first, I always want to refer, refer everyone to uh, to the talk that Adam did at the Reach Australia conference this year. Really helpful, and I think really helpful in just the way that you reflected on your journey. I think it's always good to hear other people's stories. So I reckon that's really worth putting in the hands of someone who you are trying to encourage towards full-time uh, Christian ministry. Uh, the other thing that came out in that talk was was a spirit, you know, having a spiritual father. Um, you know, so Timothy has Paul, um, Adam had Andrew Reid. Uh, I reckon it's really important uh, for us to have spiritual fathers and mothers who are walking alongside us and actually, uh, you know, bringing the scriptures to bear on our lives, helping us see the uh, the gospel implications for our lives. So that's something that I think you know all Christian leaders should have. Uh, an older an older person to actually walk alongside you. And then the last thing is we'll just give some links to uh, the Hofstede scale, which uh, Derek's going to talk about with Adam in a moment. Alrighty, That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about that right now. Adam, what is the Hofstede scale? The Hofstede scale, it's, it's, a, it's a tool. It's not a particularly Christian tool, I think, but a lot of missionaries and missiologists use it. And it evaluates and compares... Uh, different cultures along six different dimensions, and they include things like uh, power distance or individualism or uncertainty avoidance. So it's a really great tool to dig into to at least get a starting point in terms of what different cultures are like when they approach these worldview questions. Mm, nice. And what you noticed, particularly from your own background, how you might sit slightly differently or on the Hofstede scale to the uh, guys, Anglos around you, how they sit on it? Yeah, sure. I think um, power distance, for example, I mean, like what regard do we have for authority or that vertical relationship? Uh, Australia ranks as 36 out of 100, which is verging on anarchy. And then you've got China, which is 100 out of 100. Uh, And I think what's difficult about that is not just that you have a super egalitarian versus super hierarchical culture, But when you've got second generation uh, ministry, you've got both of those cultures in the one person, uh, which creates a whole 
confusing mess. Uh, I think even on an individualism scale, Australia is known to be pretty individualistic. We rank uh, 90 out of 100. Uh, China ranks 26 out of 100. So when it comes to making decisions to go into ministry, that may come at the expense of family relationships. That makes it a lot harder. So one of the challenges is if you, you know, if I was talking to an Anglo guy when on trainships, just go harder. You just keep nudging and pushing and, you know, tell them what to do and they're going to say, you know, good stuff. But anyway, you just keep saying it long enough and, you know, you pray that, that, that God will work in their hearts. But it doesn't work like that in other cultures. So how did it, how did it differ for you and what did the people who are discipling you do well and wisely? I think firstly, they started early. Mm. Uh, so they started encouraging me into ministry from when I was in high school uh, and they started having those conversations regularly uh, and not just at a one-off conference. So they would actually weave it in to our weekly discipleship and encourage me along the way. Uh, they would also encourage me to see family and those responsibilities as good things, not as roadblocks, but actually things that I need to honour. And actually by doing that, they actually diffuse the tension between what might otherwise become a battle between two things, between God and family, which actually there, there shouldn't be. Mm. Yeah, that's good. So advice, what would you give us? Why to slice bread, Scott and I, although Scott's clearly much more learned than I am. <laughs> that, well, yeah, Scott's knowledge of Korean fried chicken immediately brings him into honorary status. So uh, <laughs> uh, I think the thing that I'd say is, uh, don't be too quick to interpret a desire to honor parents as unfaithfulness mm. to God. Mm. Mm. That's really good. Well, I think, again, realizing that, you know, our um, being collect a collectivistic culture, none of us ever make an independent decision. Mm. Uh, so it's unwise and unhelpful, I think, to just sim simplistically say, be Western individualistic uh, in your mindset and then make decisions on that basis. But actually, how can we be more flexible in thinking about uh, leadership development pipelines? How can we work with the people that we have mm. and the situations that we're in and honour their responsibilities to their families and work with that rather than create an impossible choice between two things? Excellent. So, Adam, what is your one thing you're going to leave us with today? I think our default leadership development pipelines are more shaped by our own culture than we realise. So we need to intentionally and prayerfully create pipelines that are sensitive to the culture of our people. That's good. That's brilliant. Well, uh, that ha does bring us to the end of the show. Well, that's great. Uh, thanks, Adam, for uh, joining us on The One Thing. Uh, now, just to hear from one of our ministry partners, do you ever feel like you don't know where to start with volunteer training? Or if you do, is it hard to get everyone in the same place at the same time? Well, Ministry Grid makes it simple to train every volunteer and leader in your church. With a library of over 3,500 videos and 800 courses, you'll find training for every ministry area and leadership level. From volunteers to leaders to ministry directors, Ministry Grid's scope and sequence of training makes it easy to know who needs what training. If you want to check out this incredible resource, just go to ministrygrid.com. And if you like what you've heard today, we'd love it if you uh, just take a moment to rate us on iTunes. All right, thanks for joining us in another episode of The One Thing. Coming up in our next episode, we are going to crack open uh, the surface a little bit more into multitude and ethnicity. Scott, who are we going to talk to? We're going to talk to Paul Webb from uh, Chester Hill Anglican Church about cross-cultural discipleship. Excellent. I'm Derek Hanna. And I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon. Mm -hmm.